0: Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm HRN's Communication Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of the next episode of Mate and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're exploring the future of eating animals, and we're going beyond typical meat sources.
1: If you look at the length of human history, we've been eating insects a lot longer than we haven't been in the United States and Western Europe.
0: We're looking at unusual ways to purchase meat.
1: People are like, really? Why would I want to buy that out of a machine?
0: And we introduce you to Frank Reese, a poultry farmer whose traditional farming methods are featured in a new documentary.
1: I'm a fourth-generation farmer in Kansas, and I focus basically all on standard bred poultry and have my whole life.
2: He's kind of the last one standing with these rarefied breeds that are so important for if we're going to eat chicken and turkey into the future. He's essential. He's a national treasure.
0: Listen to Meat in 3 this week to better understand the history and the future of meat. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Technology is
3: supposed to make our lives so much easier and efficient and effective and profitable. But what if you can't figure it out and you don't know how to code and you don't know the difference between SEO and CRM? We've got some tech gripes coming up on this episode. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. Today, they are tuning in to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. But before we get into that, I want to talk to those listeners from 165 countries around the world. Do you know that Heritage Radio is a 501c3 nonprofit? Do you know that... I'm the host and producer of this show, and I do this as my passion project pro bono. As a matter of fact, all of the 335 show hosts that are live on the air every week, we all do our shows because we think food radio is important, and we think it's important to have a place to talk about everything about food, from policy to tech to delicious things to history, and also have a place to archive it all. But... Unfortunately, while the internet is an amazing place, it doesn't run for free. We are in the middle of our annual Summer Fun Drive where we are looking for new members. Maybe that's you. You can become an HRN member for as little as $25 and get some cool swag. If you designate your donation to Tech Bytes, I will give you a shout out on the air and social media and it's my undying love. If you are a business and you want to get in the game and get some social media and advertising on one of our amazing shows, that starts at a $500 level, which is a pretty good deal when you consider what you get being a part of this community. So that's my little uh, pre-show promo to help keep the show on the air. Um, we are looking to raise $25,000 by July 31st. So hopefully you can help us get there and keep the lights on and the mics hot. Otherwise, I might be on permanent summer vacation. Now, to the show at hand, Tech Gripes. The idea for this show has come up out of all the conversations that I've had in the past with different entrepreneurs. Most people who start a food business do it because they have an amazing product. They make great pizza or granola or have an amazing ice cream recipe that friends and family say, oh my God, you should sell that. It'd be huge. So they start a business and then they realize that running a food business is very different from making delicious food. And in this day and age of Instagram, influencers, Amazon, building social media brands and online ordering, ordering in-app shopping, it's kind of challenging and people don't know how to figure out what to do. And even though we have so many choices, sometimes more choices equals more stress. So we are going to be doing a couple of roundtable shows starting today called Tech Gripes, where we talk to food entrepreneurs and startup folks and restaurant folks about what kind of challenges they are having navigating their business in the tech world. And then hopefully, once we identify what the big gripes are, we'll do some shows where we bring in some experts and try and solve some of those problems and maybe do some in real life events later in the fall. So to help us complain in a potentially productive way, we have Nathaniel Cotanch, who is founder of a company called Zia Green Chili Company. Nathan, I want to thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. I'm uh, really excited to be here with you and Robin. Um, I love Heritage Radio, so it's always a pleasure.
3: And he gestured, which you can't see because we're on radio, to Robin Shapiro, who is the CEO and co-founder of Seek. Um, Thank you for coming on the show also. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. And everybody brought snacks, which we love. We have some beautiful uh, chili, uh, different jars of chilies. And we have some Seek protein bars, which are fantastic. I don't think that they actually go together. Um, Maybe separate? You never know. That's true. That could be the next show. Like some adventurous food show. Maybe we'll have to. Or maybe we can have Vitor, our engineer, try them all. (laughs) Oh, I will. But before we get into the tech gripes... Um, we will go around the room like we always do and talk about apps, old favorites that maybe have been living on your home screen for the last ten years, or maybe something new that you've just discovered. And I know that Robin came in ready to go with a great app. So, Robin, what's what's your favorite app right now?
2: Well, Nate and I were talking. We were asking, <laughs> you know, each other, you know, how it was getting here this morning, a typical opener question. And uh, I was saying I drove here. I was lucky. I got a spot right outside. Nate was talking about his, you know, the good and bad of driving around New York City. So I'm actually excited to introduce Nate to an amazing app out there called Ticket Wiper. So it's just for New York City tickets. And if you get a ticket, you um, just put in the ticket number and they fight it for you because there's all these sort of loopholes. So they'll fight it. And if they win, you only have to pay 50% of it. And if they lose, you just pay the full amount. And it's also easy because you just, they have your credit card in there and they can pay it right away. So driving around New York City is great, but sometimes signs are confusing. And I don't know, I, I just rack up a lot of tickets. It's a bad thing. Ticket wiper, it's great.
3: Alternate side of the street parking, holiday, snow day. Uh, yeah,
1: it's it gets bad. Festival. <laughs> it gets really festival bad. Festival
3: closings. And, you know, summer is really challenging also because they do a lot of work and you have all the street festivals and then you have streets closing from movie filming and commercial productions, and it's just kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, and as a, a, a food founder, you know, I need to drive around the city a lot. I'm taking packages here and there, so the car is sort of needed. Otherwise, it'd be, you know, many, many Ubers.
3: Okay, ticket wiper. That's a new one. <laughs> I'm so <laughs>
1: stoked to hear about that.
3: <laughs> Are you going to use it right now?
1: Um, I, I, I actually wiped out a uh, decent, actually, pretty much all my tickets last week. Um, but yeah, moving forward, hopefully that's not an issue. So I'll use it as needed.
3: That's a smart <laughs> business. So much of the app world and the tech world is um, convenience to buy us time. You know, time has become the ultimate commodity, the thing that people want. So this is not only paying someone to deal with it time-wise so you don't have to figure it out, but then also potentially you know, keeping your record a little cleaner. Totally. Uh, Nate, do you have an app that you like right now?
1: Um, Honestly, my apps that I continuously use on a daily and hourly basis are two really, really popular ones, Um, just Instagram and Spotify. And uh, to me, Spotify is so important, you know, when you're in the trenches doing so much work and sometimes you just need a little bit of Bruce Springsteen or something to really get you motivated through that day. And Instagram is awesome. It's been one of the big ways that we've been able to really grow our brand. And uh, lately, I've really been learning just how much engagement there is, you know, interacting with our customers, interacting with various different chefs that we meet off of it that are all over the country. Um, yeah. So those really are my two go-to apps.
3: So Spotify for personal use and Instagram for work use. Yeah, you can say
1: uh yeah the spotify it gives me again that mental kick to kick into the business so it's it's both but
3: well heritage radio network podcasts are now available on spotify so awesome you can listen to yourself (laughs) (laughs) later today after it (laughs) posts (laughs) and make all your employees listen to you also nice bonus vitor do you have an app that you like this week yeah, this week I downloaded uh, an app called Clarity Money, mm. which is just a simple. Well, I guess it, it can be more complex if you want it to to be. But it's uh, basic I use it just to kind of keep track of my expenses, and it it connects with your bank account, which, at first, I was a little skeptical to actually ch- to link that to my bank account and then have it know all my bank information but then after i it seems secure after i read stuff
1: online (laughs) but who knows
3: i agree with you completely i am very hesitant to connect anything to my bank account right i have a um a venmo account that is not connected to my bank because a friend of mine had their bank account hacked to the tune of five thousand dollars Jeez. so i'm just trying to drained, run down my Venmo balance, and then I'm probably just going to shut it down because I'm skeptical and a little concerned. (laughs) But I don't know if it's based in reality or if it's just one of those things where I'm not growing up in in the tech and app generation, where, you know, my Nieces and nephew who are, you know, 12 and 14, you know, 10, they, all of this is probably second nature to them and they don't have any qualms about it. But, uh, you know, being maybe a transitional generation in terms of adapting technology, I don't know if my financial fears are grounded in, in real concerns or if it's just me being like old and not hip to the app thing. Right, and also your bank account itself can be hacked you of know, course. So, of course. Even if you don't use any apps connected to it, so of course, I'm I'm sure that the <laughs> covert forces from like China and Russia are like knocking on my bank door right now. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Thank you. Well, now I'm skeptical and in a in a mild panic about my financial security. Anyway, but you know what? Financial security and connecting things online and and technology and is it good? Is it work? Is it reliable? Those are questions that we grapple with on the day-to-day for our personal lives. Now, imagine if all the tech questions you had in your personal life, your personal online banking, Instagram on your phone, you know, buying movie tickets and all those things, imagine if you had to resolve all those tech issues for a business, not just for the day-to-day, but resolve it with some sort of growth plan in mind. And it's kind of very daunting. Um, and again, as I mentioned on the top of the show... More technology means more decisions and more questions. And I think we all know that the potential is there for technology to be an amazingly powerful, efficient tool for business and life. But sometimes it's hard to figure out how to get there. So um, Nate, you've been in business for a little bit longer um, than Robin, who's a, who's a startup, which is great. So we have sort of a point counterpoint here in terms of uh, history and, and where you are with your challenges when you and I spoke on the phone before the show, you mentioned that this was a great time to be griping about your technology because you're right in the throes of of doing some different things. So why don't you share that with us?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're always in the throes of doing different things. And technology is definitely one of those things that our business definitely would not be where it is today if we hadn't been, you know, technologically sound. And been able to put all the different processes and things that we had in place that again allowed us to get here and uh, you know it's also hard to group technology into a whole because it's not really like one continuous big gripe that I find about technology it's you know you have eight billion different things that make up a business right like you have your finances you have the way that you structured your internal operations and management and all your documents you have the way that you keep track of your sales pipelines you have the way that your brand you know goes out into the world and the way that people see it and the way that you're able to interact with people and again just reach people that way and then when you get into the whole world where you go into what online sales, which is a pretty decent chunk of our business today, um, that's a whole separate conversation there that you, you know, again, you're just continuously like figuring out one challenge at a time to really optimize those processes that you're trying to work on. And uh, yeah, now we've kind of hit that stage where, you know, we've been in business um, three years now, which is awesome, and we're doing really well. We're, you know, in distribution about nationwide at this point. But as you get to that point, you really have to, you know, act and be structured, and uh, just set up to go and scale as a larger company. And so, you know, the technology that you go from what worked for you before to what you need now to solve those issues and really grow from there. You really have to think to that next level. So, so to
3: to share with people a little bit of background, Zia Green Chili Company, which is ziagreenchilico.com, if you want to follow along while we're on the air. If you want to follow them on social media, it's at Zia Green Chili Co. Um So you can get a, a flavor of what they're about. Hatch Valley in southern New Mexico is where Nate is from and um, their product is quite simply the hatch chilies in different in different preparations and it's a very specific product. it's you know if you're a super foodie it's very akin to you know the French regional products where if in order to be you know hatch chili or in order to be it has to come specifically from this place and be a specific thing. So interestingly and I think also adding a layer to your tech, Setup is that your business and product comes from Hatch Valley in New Mexico. The business HQ is in New York. Yeah. And then you have national distribution. So I guess my question to you and also for the, for the edification of Robin, who is just starting off her business, how long have you been in business, Robin?
2: Uh, we actually had a soft launch in, in 2016, um, but really, you know, last year is when we sort of, you know, kicked it into full speed. And it was also last summer. I'm actually celebrating the year anniversary that I've been doing this uh, full time as well. I, is, Congrats. Uh, yeah, that's the, a big That's hustle, huge. And, that's and a big And went all in. Thanks. So,
3: if you want to follow along on the air and take a look at um, Robin's company, it's Seek, S E E K hyphen, food.com. You can find her on social media at Seek Food. And she is cricket based protein, food products, snack kind of things, is how I would categorize it.
2: Yeah, we do uh, energy bites. That's what I brought you today. And then we do uh, granola as well.
3: So, Nate, I would say, you know, with three years of runway, what kind of you know sales and tech platforms did you start off with, and are you using any of them today? Did you make a complete over time reconfiguration of everything? Is there anything foundational that you laid that was able to scale with you, or did you have to sort of leap from platform to platform as you were growing?
1: That's um, uh, yeah, that's. A is that really, a good really, question? No, it is. <laughs> I'm just smiling because it brings me back through you know, this whole story of like us venturing into the online world and, you know, there's so many different components that go with it. But, um, so when we had finally come out with our product, which again is just pure roasted pill and diced hatch chili from each year's harvest, because again, it is only harvested one time a year in the fall. And, um, you know, before that you really, the only way to get it is like, I grew up, my mom had a dedicated chest freezer to just you know, have your stash until the next year's harvest. So this allows it to be available um, year-round in an authentic, you know, shelf-stable format. But uh, so when we got that launched, um, I decided to go into the online sales world. And, you know, that that was tough because, A, it was changing over the website from, you know, a very basic HTML, CSS website that I had originally coded myself to, going into Shopify and then you go into Shopify and you get all that set up, um, which, you know, there's, there's just a learning curve with every little thing that you have to do, you know? So it was a huge hurdle to get that set up. And then once we had that set up and once we had like all the shipping processes set up and everything, I did a test order of the first order. we had some friends and family order, and it was working and you get so excited that you can go back out to everybody and say, "Hey, we're available online. you know this is awesome. go and order and then you kind of go along with that for a little bit, and you know it's great and then uh at the point where maybe about a year after that we got written up in the New York Times and uh that was just insane we got inundated with like hundreds of hundreds of orders and too many yeah definitely too many but it got to the point where you know that online system of and during a lot of that early period like I was still you know packing them myself or with some friends or like part-time employees that we have and we were doing everything by hand like packing the boxes Uh, labeling them, bringing them to USPS or FedEx or having them come and pick it up, which that was another humongous frustration uh, with everything. But yeah, so we got inundated with all these orders. I literally spent an entire weekend just not really sleeping, like at the warehouse space that we had, just packing them all. And uh, just the whole warehouse is like full of all these boxes. And then you get them all packed, and uh, you coordinate like a USPS pickup. They, for some reason, don't come, so it really stresses you out. So then you try and do the same thing with FedEx, and then they come pick up a few, but they're like, "Oh, we can't pick up all of them." So you get more stressed out, and then uh, then finally you figure out a way to get all those like offloaded, and then it's like, "Oh, great! Like that was such a huge rush. You saw more orders coming in, but..." Um, then when all those are off sent to the people, then maybe like a week later comes when it starts to get delivered and you start to get a few emails from people that was like, hey, you know, I ordered uh, half a case of medium, but I got like three jars of red. And then it was like, oh, shoot, like, you know, my human error right. mixed up those orders. So, so then you feel really bad.
3: You were doing OK on the tech side while you were building while yeah. you were growing because you knew how to code you know how to code which is a huge advantage which most entrepreneurs food people do not know how to code so yeah. you're already you already have some extra insight that people don't have it sounds like this the the technology that you had in place worked fine until you started to scale and then your yeah. delivery wasn't connecting to your ordering and then also just you weren't able to have just the the human power to get it done
1: yeah exactly you hit the nail right on the head there that um it was doing fine but you know as you scale like you alluded to earlier something that you have in place whether it's a system or a technology isn't always going to scale with you that way so it got to that point where we were just getting way too many orders we were you know just starting to get into distribution, having interest in like opening up distribution in other parts of the country, still dealing with all the other things that you have to deal with. And then, you know, it just kind of hit me like I really, we can't be using that much of our own physical time to be, you know, in this fulfillment space. So was it something that
3: you could just solve by hiring more people? Was um, it a tech platform issue? was it a t- was it a having all the different systems talk to each other issue or was it simply you needed physically more people to be
1: it to was be executing a, what
3: this what the platforms were generating for you?
1: Yeah, it was kind of all of the above right because it did was, you have
3: HR software in place? <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> no, not necessarily, but um. Yeah, it was kind of all of the above because, you know, we could have hired more people and everything. But again, just the way that our uh, technology was, it wasn't like as automated to the point. Like you still have to go in manually and like confirm orders and like print out labels. Like you still have to physically deal with like, you know, dealing with USPS and FedEx. And I really do have nightmares about those days uh, where I had to deal with them. But yeah, so it got to the point where it was like, all right. You know, let's just move all of our online fulfillment over to Amazon. And now that's what we do. And it works perfectly. You know, it it not only allows them to reach more people and ultimately get it to consumers at lower prices with quicker shipping times and everything. But, you know, on our end, it saved a ton of my time. It it saved us a ton of costs because now we don't need to have a big like warehouse out here to has a bunch of inventory It um, can be done at, like, all the Amazon fulfillment centers around the country. And uh, we're, we've been able to get Amazon's choice for Hatch Chili right now, which is awesome, and that resulted in such a huge increase in sales. So that was uh, that was really, I think, like, one of our big technological wins that had such a huge impact on every part of the business, from sales to time, efficiency, everything
3: so your solution was one giant turnkey solution to basically just offload a huge chunk of what you needed to do and have it be yeah a third party and that third party happens to be amazon which is now going to take you potentially into global sales
1: yeah we um you know we're thinking about that we've had some opportunities to come and there's more details to be shared about that soon hopefully but um Yeah, it it really was kind of a giant turnkey. And, you know, our website is still through Shopify and uh, getting to know that back end has been really, really good because now, for example, with Amazon, you know, before, I mean, you're always sending out like samples to different chefs or different buyers that you're interacting with. Or, you know, if I want to send my mom or aunt a Christmas present or holiday present with some chili, you know, we have to do it ourselves. But Ever since we started going through Amazon, like we could integrate the back end of Shopify through Amazon to where now, like to send out a sample or a gift, all we have to do is like go into, you know, the site, like queue up the order and then it just sends the way. And again, like that saves time, that saves effort. It's uh, just really, it's increased our efficiency a lot.
3: Well, that's a great solution, and we are going to take a quick break right now to find out who the sponsor is of this episode. Stay with us. We'll be back in a bit.
0: what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound what does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy salt water what would you be made of wild alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass long chain omega-3s and incredible micronutrients it matters where your food comes from experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite, and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. Across
2: the ocean.
3: I'm Southern Teague of Amoria Margo and the co-host of the Speakeasy right here on Heritage Radio Network. You know, my favorite thing to do every week is to come here and be on the show.
0: I have lots of jobs. I'm a very busy person um, and I do this because I love it. I get to sit down and talk to all my heroes for about an hour every
3: week. It's incredible. And I hope that you enjoy it, making a great effort to share with you and would like you to share back with us. It's our summer fundraiser, and we'd love for you to donate uh, at harrysradionetwork.org forward slash donate. You can click on the beating heart. and You can even choose shows that you'd like to donate to specifically. And you can also choose a recurring monthly uh, gift. Uh, And for all that, we'd be greatly appreciative. Thank you so much. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. Do you have a food tech story that you think needs to be on the air? Or maybe you have a favorite app you want to tell us about that we can contribute to the start of every show. Get in touch with us. We are very interactive. You can find us on social media at Tech Bytes HRN on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or you can send us an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We would love to hear from you. Today, our influencers and innovators are here to gripe a little bit about technology. Sometimes it's hard to know what to do to be the most efficient and most effective to get your business up and running. Today, we are hearing from Nathaniel Cotench, who is co-founder of the Zia Green Chili Company, that's ziagreenchilico.com, and Robin Shapiro, who is the CEO and co-founder of SEEK, that's seek-food.com. So earlier we were talking about Nate, who's been in business for about three years and some of the tech struggles that they had that they ultimately solved by going to Amazon, which is sort of easy in many ways. Robin, you are at the beginning of your journey. And interestingly, when we spoke before the show, you were just um, setting up your Shopify site and getting that up and running so you can do online retail, which is an interesting point-counterpoint because you started it, because Nate started at Shopify and now has moved to Amazon. So how are you finding Shopify this far?
2: Yeah, well, we launched with a Squarespace site, um, and it was interesting. I, you know, don't have any coding experience or any design experience or any sort of technology experience yet I built this Squarespace site um, and um, that I launched that back in 2016
3: so it did exactly what it was supposed to do because Squarespace is supposed to be like websites for everybody exactly
2: and um, <laughs> there was a, a press article coming out in New York Magazine I was like oh I guess I need to have a website so I sort of built that really quickly and we were able to do online sales through there but it definitely didn't have the sort of you know power and capabilities behind it that Shopify does So what type
3: of powers and capability are you talking about?
2: So Shopify Shopify has a lot of different um, plugins. Um, There's a lot better analytics with it. Um, There is um, a lot easier uh, fulfillment uh, with it. Um, But specifically when it comes to the apps that you can have on Shopify, there's um, it's probably infinite. It's just like going to the app store for for any other apps that we started talking about. Um, So you can have a lot of different kind of plugins and integrations. Some are free, some are paid. Um, just like the app world in general. So we were able, so we moved to Shopify. We actually moved in um, uh, February of this year. So we've been on it for a bit. It's been good, and I think one of our gripes now is sort of what I'm getting into a little bit with it is like maximizing it. Like I don't think we're necessarily taking advantage yet of all of the opportunities that you do have with it for a couple of reasons. I, it's a one, as I mentioned, some things are are paid and some things are free. So you have to justify the cost. like, this would be great, but then the, it is this amount per month. So do we want to do that yet? Are we ready for it yet? And then I think, too, it's just managing everything else that we need to with the business and saying, like, okay, this is going okay right now. Like, we're we're satisfied with it. Like, do we really need to, like, invest our time in doing all of those other things? Maybe we just kind of hold, hold the ship for now.
3: And so you haven't had one of those... Uh... Success avalanches yet, where <laughs> it potentially may you know be so great that it's a nightmare. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so the New York Times hasn't covered us yet. Um.
3: Florence Fabricant, are you listening?
2: <laughs> <laughs> we have a
3: we have a great little story for uh, Food Notes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, so we um, and and our specific strategy and our sales strategy is to really grow market by market, so that we can really learn a lot about our customers. So what does
3: that mean, market by market? Does that mean regional? Does that mean type of consumer? Does that mean it, type of? It means of?
2: it means regional. Um, we're mm-hmm. introducing something that's really new in terms of um, the idea of eating cricket protein. There's a lot of um, nutritional and sustainability benefits to eating crickets, yet at the same time, it's something very um, new to us in in Western cultures. So we're really wanting to sort of nurture and educate the regional markets that we're in.
3: So you're going out primarily to a direct-to-consumer So when you say regional market, you're talking about geography and you're talking about going direct to people or are you also talking about going to wholesale distributors and stores and health clubs and things like that?
2: Yeah, so right now we are sold in retail and we do both self-distribution and then we do use a local distributor as well. And then we are sold online, which does allow us to ship across um, the country, across the world. We, We do sort of with Shopify as well, I should say that's an additional thing that we did with Shopify is we allowed for international shipping. Um, I don't know why a lot of people place orders from Japan. Um, because
3: bugs are big in Japan?
2: Uh, uh, you I know, mean, it's, you
3: know, I to, ha- to point, you know, maybe the maybe the established consumer market for cricket products is overseas.
2: Yeah, no, that's something interesting. I mean, right now, so many international countries are eating crickets as a form of their diet, focused in Asia, in Africa, um, and in certain South American and Central American countries, Mexico being a, a big one that's well, close and by.
3: Let's just clarify for listeners who may not have seen any cricket protein products on their uh, market shelves. This is not packages of bugs, okay? <laughs> this is not like packages of dried crickets, and you know, you're looking at You know, just putting a handful of bugs into your mouth. Although you could, and that would be like a spicy snacky kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's cricket turned into a powder um, with that has the protein. So I mean, it's very similar to any kind of protein powder you would have—pea protein powder, whey protein powder—you know, all the protein powders that are out there. And then you use the protein powder to create the energy bars and the granola and things like that. So it's not giant bags of bugs. Um, If you saw the package, if you saw the product, and no one told you crickets were in it, you probably would not know.
2: Um, Yeah, that's really true, except for the fact that we're better than those other protein powders out there because crickets (laughs) have more than just protein. There's also iron, calcium, omega-3s, B12. It's a complete protein, meaning it contains all the essential amino acids that we need, and it's minimally processed, all natural, and something that we've been consuming for thousands of years.
3: So, I mean, Nate you have a similar um educational piece to your product also um you know robin it's a completely different category of eating crickets as as an alternate protein within sort of the alternate protein world which i think is a conversation that we're starting to have but it's still not a hundred percent general public it's still probably a little more um niche groups that are really interested in pursuing alternate nutrition for a variety of reasons but people don't necessarily know about hatch chilies because it is so hyper-specific unless they've been by your mom's and had a chance to you know, get some of her freezer stash. Yeah, but should... people do know chilies, and they do know sort of chilies in a bottle, and we have sort of that culture. How much did you need to rely on technology to educate people as to what your product was before they even considered buying it?
1: Um, a lot. And, you know, Robin, it sounds like you, and uh, I don't know if you would agree with how it is for you, but, you know, the education and unfamiliarity with some people to, you know, what your product is, is both a, one of like the biggest opportunities and also uh, one of the biggest challenges too. Cause you know, where I grew up with this, um, I was born in Colorado, but my mom, one of 17 children from New Mexico. Wow. Yeah. Can we
3: just say wow for your grandma?
1: Yeah. She was amazing. A but, formidable woman. Yeah. It sounds and, like. You know, same two parents, no twins in the family. It was uh, wow. very crazy. But, you know, because of that, my mom, I grew up in a household that had very you know, New Mexican traditions, a bunch of artwork all over the house. And uh, I was also basically weaned on these chilies like out of the bottle, you know, and uh, it's something that to that region, it's such a huge part of, you know, the history, the economy, the culture, the food, the art. Um, And it's just something that, you know, it's not even just all part of that, but it's a part of who you are, like around that harvest time, when you smell it, it evokes all memories of family and just all the landscape and where you're from it. And then you move outside and it's just not that available. So when we came to New York in a totally different market, well, I'd moved to the East Coast in the middle of high school. And uh, that's where we first realized that we were naive and didn't, we didn't even know that these chilies weren't really available outside of that region until... You left that region. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then that hit us really hard. My mom had to go wheel and deal with the local Harris Teeter down there to bring in her own stash of chilies that she could roast herself, like, on the oven broiler all weekend. And then I had ultimately found my way up to New York, and uh, even in New York City, a place that has everything. Theoretically, it's
3: supposed to have everything. Yeah, it
1: didn't have these chilies. So I, uh, long story short, like always wanted to bring it outside of you know that region ever since we learned that it wasn't available and yeah technology was a huge part um you know social media getting out there just being able to communicate with a bunch of different people and ultimately what set us off was that we had uh, like got written up and got the mist out here when we had first started up and that unearthed just and it, A whole community of other displaced people from New Mexico or the Southwest that just like me had grown up around these chilies and uh, you move outside of it and you lose a piece of home and a piece of how you grew up. So technology really brought all of us together, you know, gave us a solid foundation of people, allowed us to reach a lot of uh, really great chefs who, you know, had been wanting to use these chilies, but they're just not that easy to get you know the logistics around them only being harvested one time a year in the fall and then having otherwise to deal with like getting them out frozen and all that it's um it's tough so
3: the power of the internet it's always been a place for really specific things and sort of the more specific it is the better the internet works because it brings people together Robin, what's on your tech to do list right now? Do you have uh, what What are your current projects, things you're trying to solve, thing you're not happy with that you want to figure out?
2: Yeah, well, we actually are gearing up for a really big launch. Um, it's coming on July 9th. So that's uh, in just about two weeks. We're doing a big Kickstarter campaign um, and, and Kickstarter just has a lot of elements to it. Um, so uh, on my list is really figuring out how we can sort of um, bring all of the excitement of this launch across all of the sort of different online channels that exist. So some of the ones that Nate touched on and, and even more. So um, we're going to be creating a great video. We're going to be doing um, you know, a big social media campaign. We're going to be wanting to reach our people through our, our, our um, community through email and build our community at the same time. Um, And, of course, there's uh, press as well. And then, of course, there's the Kickstarter um, platform, which there's a way to sort of do that right. Um, And then there's a way to to not maximize it. And I'd say specifically on email, um, that's one of the things that converts really well for Kickstarter campaigns. So I'm thinking, you know, how... How are we going to be doing better um, than we already are? Do you have an email program that you use right now? We're using MailChimp right now. Um, I would like our open rates and our click-through rates to be higher. So there's a way to test test different different versions and do some A-B testing to understand what's going to work best. So how are we, we doing that? As well as another thing that converts really well on, on Kickstarter is Facebook ads. So how are we, you know, setting up for that those ad campaigns? So I think
3: how do you feel about Facebook ads today, in in light of sort of all the different uh, storylines about Facebook information ads engagement validity?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know. I know that ads that I'm targeted with um, a, a lot of the times are are, are really relevant um, to, to things going on in my life or things that I specifically want to be fed ads on. Um, so I'll sort of click around on that and um, so that I can kind of learn from their advertising strategies.
3: But you're not worried about any of the Facebook issues now with people having trust issues with Facebook ads, with people not wanting to engage on Facebook, that sort of... Landslide of people uh, canceling accounts or backing out or not participating because of the, you know, Facebook information issues that have been, you know, screaming headlines in the news.
2: You know, I'm definitely not an expert and, and I'm really not able to kind of like speak to, um, you know, those things in, in, in depth. Um, but and- you're not worried about
3: utilizing Facebook for advertising, that that's going to have a, a less than engagement or a negative effect?
2: I, I'm not, um, at this point in time, um, with the way that we're thinking about approaching it, we're, we don't, I'm um, going to put it out there. We don't have a, a $200,000 ad spend going on. You know, it's, it's going to be a, um, it's going to be a, 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 not a, you know, gigantic, um, spend just because oh. of where they're and- at. But I think it's, um you know a great way that we can get our message in front of people
3: i mean advertising is about talking to people who are in a space and what maybe people don't realize listening at home is that as i mentioned at the top of the show all of the heritage radio network hosts we all do our shows pro bono which means we make our livings elsewhere and i make my living in advertising and marketing and i can tell you about Um, advertising in terms of the audience and people being in the space, if you have fewer audience and fewer people in the space because they're concerned about their security when they're in that space, then that just sort of impacts the potential success rate of advertising on that channel, regardless of what your spend is. Uh, Nate, are you ever worried about your tech platform when you read the different headlines in the news, getting ready, both of you talking about having international... Sales, we were talking a lot about, you know, potential embargoes and tariffs and things like that. And, you know, certainly Amazon is always in the news in terms of its technology. And um, you know, good, bad, otherwise, some people love it. You know, I definitely think it's part of um, become just a part of life mm-hmm. for Americans in this day and age. It's just sort of there like everything else.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, you know, like Robin, we also don't have a $200,000 ad budget that we go and pump aggressively into. But um, yeah, that's also a hard question that I also can't speak too much in detail. You know, as a founder, you're always running like 8 billion miles a minute and there's always 8 billion fires that you have to put out. So uh, the time that I spend like trying to go in and learn a lot more about that or you know put effort into is like right at night before bed and uh then i'll just like fall asleep with
3: and have like have stress anxiety <laughs> dreams about <laughs> yeah global trade. some
1: sometimes are you know again those stress anxiety those are mostly about fedex and usps <laughs> but uh No, that being said, you know, digital advertising is one thing that, honestly, we really have not done much with. We've uh, ran a couple of Facebook ads or things around the harvest time when we have, you know, we're taking pre-orders and have something that we want to promote, and that's worked really well. And that's something that, uh, you know, honestly, we're starting to think a little bit more about, because, again, we're in distribution nationwide at this point, so... That's one of the big challenges is how do you reach a lot of markets that you have that are active all over the nation when you're based in one place here in New York? And, uh, you know, especially, too, just reaching different lifestyles. We have a couple really huge announcements coming up soon, um, you know, regarding, like, Whole Foods and rolling into the Rocky Mountain region uh, very soon, which is awesome. But when we do that, that's, you know, a whole lifestyle of people and the whole other geographic region that you want to keep engaged while you're not physically there. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there, and um, I do think like Facebook ads and all, all of those things have like really amazing tools if you understand it to how to reach people of certain demographics and spending levels and uh, different you know just lifestyle habits. But like with any technology, it's the learning curve and uh, the learning curve and the time required to learn it versus having the budget to pay somebody who's an expert to go do it it's uh it's tough
3: do you have someone in charge of your technology right now do you have a CTO or someone like that on your staff it's
1: basically me do um, you
3: have a a, a CTO seat on your org chart to fulfill in years to come or no
1: Uh, not really i don't really know if we you know necessarily need one in that way because again just the nature of our business and you know with a lot of the distribution that we have um like technology again is a huge part of our company and our growth and our ability to scale but at the same time you know we're not we don't need a CTO like a, a a digital startup would need one. You know, we're not continuously like coding something, and all the coding that I do is uh you know really like in the back end of our website to just make different layouts look different. Or um you know we're pretty deep in Salesforce right now, and uh, I guess like setting up different workflows and that. That's uh, a lot, but yeah, I, I don't know if we really need one at this point.
3: What's on your tech to-do list right now?
1: Um, A billion things. (laughs) Uh, I mean, again, mainly Salesforce, you know, getting that set up because, uh, like I spoke to earlier, just growing your company and growing the different processes that you have to keep track of things. Like going from, you know, just having like all your pipeline of everybody that, you know, you need to keep track of, whether it's our sales reps or... Just the accounts that we're talking to, the buyers that we really want to get in front of, um, it was organized in one, you know, big Google Sheet spreadsheet (laughs) that I had had (laughs) since like founding the company. And I remember meeting with uh, my two partners, you know, a few months ago, and they're like, Nate, this is ridiculous. Like, who is ever going to read this? Or who's ever going to understand this? I was like, well, I get it, but it's uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's not set up for scale. So it's taking that and putting in in a platform like Salesforce, where as you grow and even bring in new people, and new salespeople, they can go and have, they won't have like a Google Doc that they need to go <laughs> and decipher. You know, they can go and see very clearly what's going on, and um, is again just set up for scale. So,
3: well, we are unfortunately out of time we always come to the end of the show which makes me sad because we always have more things to talk about if you want to experience some hatch chilies for yourself go to com. if you want to experience them in real life sign up for their newsletter and get some information they have a bunch of upcoming events around the country they have the Hatch Chili Roast on August 11th, Pig Beach on September 8th, and the second annual Lewis Chili Roast in Charleston, South Carolina on September 29th, which sounds great because Charleston is an amazing
1: Oh, my gosh. Town. Love Charleston. so.
3: If you want to check out the cricket protein foods, seek-food.com social media at Seek Food. They are launching a Kickstarter on July 9th uh, with some new products, so check back on July 9th to find out what that big reveal is. If you want to find out more about us, we are on Radio network.org show page for Tech Bites. Tech Bites is engineered by Victor Hirsch. Our theme song is Nomad CPU track by DJ Uptown Nico. I'm Jennifer Leutze, the show host and producer. We broadcast live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you missed the live broadcast, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and just about every other podcasting platform. If you like the show, come back and see us next week. If you love the show, subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review. If you can't live without us... Become an HRN member. Help us keep the lights on and the mics hot. I'm Jennifer Lietzzi. Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.